When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, and today my guest is uh, from the same sports network, podcast network that I'm on, Fans First Sports Network, uh, Chris Madrigal from the Town Tailgate podcast, which is uh, a really, really good Oakland A's podcast. Uh, if uh, if you follow the A's, then you should definitely follow um, Chris and his his show. Uh, welcome, Chris. What's up, man? I'm super pumped to be here. I'm super pumped for the season as an A's fan. Uh, you know, you're you. I think you're the title of your show says it all. The Oakland Warriors podcast. So if if these are Oakland Warrior fans, and they're probably also Oakland A's fans, so they're probably understand the depression that I've been going through this past season. And not even to, to say the least about the Raiders, who are just on an epic downward spiral right now. So I'm just ready for basketball Man. season to start so I can have some positivity in my life and my sports fandom because it's just freaking miserable right now. Yeah, yeah. Real quick, I'm, I'm just curious about in terms of the A's because, you know, I've taken a step back from being a following baseball, uh, yeah. especially doing this Warriors podcast all the time. I take my summers and chill a little bit, but like, uh wait what's the what's the temp of people back in uh the bay or listenership you know oakland folks because losing the raiders again to uh, another city this time to vegas and the a's to vegas it's like uh i mean what's the vibe i think it's just anger that's kind of the most of the vibe that i'm getting from from like a's twitter and like a's fans it's just like they are in shock, but also not surprised. It's, you know, it's kind of a weird situation to understand because like this particular owner just flat out is a POS. Like he just, he absolutely is terrible. He, this was a total money grab for him going to Vegas. I think he's going to be extremely, um, him and major league baseball are going to be extremely disappointed in the financial results of, doing a baseball team in Vegas because like, I mean, the Raiders work not because Vegas loves the Raiders, but because the opponent that they're facing that particular Sunday wants to make a reason to take a trip to Vegas. If I'm a Patriots fan and I see the Raiders on their schedule, that's a reason for me as a Patriots fan to do a weekend in Vegas with my buddies. So it's like you go to a Raiders game and it's like, maybe 55% Raider fans, maybe even less than that. It's so like it, it to see that on a baseball scale, 82 games, like baseball fans are not going to show up in, in to that stadium and, and they are not going to, and it's going to be hot and it's going to, you know, it's just like, I just don't see how that works. It was just a money grab from this owner, but you know, like honestly, ACE fans should be too like surprised because like we kind of have a history of bad owners, basically since the Haas family sold the team. So it's just like, 
it, you know, it, it's been it's been a trend, and owners, owner after owner, have taken advantage of the reputation of the A's and Billy Bean, and and having good talent on cheap payrolls, so they can just put money in their pocket. So it's just sad. It's sad to see. It's depressing for me. I'm pretty cynical about the whole situation, to be honest with you. Sure. I know there's there's a lot of people, a lot of A's fans who think that you know it's not official until shovels are in the ground. I don't think so. I think that they were gone months ago. Um, and you know, as much as I love that team and, and the diehard fan, I just when they move, I, that's going to be it for me. And I have you know, I'm a third generation. Uh, a season tick holder i don't own season tickets but my parents did my grandparents did before that so i i was born and bred to be an ace fan and i think i just can't support an owner who just doesn't doesn't care about his fans and doesn't care about the baseball team you know so mm-hmm, it, it sucks mm-hmm. and it's depressing but um that's just kind of the state of the a's and they have a, a lot of young talent too like you know it would have been nice to root for them in a couple of years, but I'm I'm Oakland till I die, Patrick. I'm Oakland till I die, and I can't I can't support that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember back in the day when the Raiders first left. Yeah, uh, I was I was uh, pretty bummed, right? And then they came back, and I was a little bit older, you know. And it always felt like the analogy I used to use uh, for Al Davis, or just the Raiders leaving back then was that episode again, this is in the nineties when they came back yeah. uh, that episode of the fresh Prince where uh, Will Smith's dad played by Ben Vereen shows up and he expects to like, you know, have everything be fine again. It's like, Hey, yo, y'all left, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And now you're coming back and now you want the stadium PSLs, Mount Davis, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. We went to Oakland Coliseum. I remember all that. And I've never been a Raiders fan since, you know, like I, I'll, I'll tune in, you know, I was obviously pulling for them in the tuck game and everything. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but uh, ever since it's just like, you know, uh, the, the loyalties have just gone away. So, um, which is crazy. Cause like in, in LA, Raiders fans are still Raiders fans, but uh, I think that's the, um, embedded into uh, some of the subcultures here a little bit uh, more deeply than others. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, I'm bummed about the A's. But um, as you said, the Warriors season is uh, upon us. Uh, some happier times, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> last season wasn't happier times. And uh, I've talked yeah. about that ad nauseum. But uh, I, I like to ask uh, guests uh, what your Warriors fandom, like just, you know, in like a minute or so, like yeah, when did you start being a fan? Like what's your uh, uh, favorite memory, you know, going to a game or whatever, uh, what you got? Uh, so I apologize for that first long-winded answer. So <laughs> I'll, I'll try to keep it shorter <laughs> on this one. Um <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, I, so I grew up, uh, my parents aren't really like, my family's not really basketball family. Like I had friends who were basketball fans. I have some family, but I wasn't like super into the sport. Um, it was that 2002 or 2000. Yeah. 2002 Kings team, uh, Sacramento Kings team that got me into basketball that Chris Weber, Mike Bibby, Doug Christie, Vladi Divac, like Bobby Jackson off the bench, like that team with that run, um, to the Western Conference Finals, you know, we don't have to get into all that stuff, but like I was like super into that team and and I loved watching them, especially after that um conference finals win. And like that team just like got me into the sport. I started playing at school, I started playing with my friends around the neighborhood, and I just wanted to watch the game. I just wanted to watch basketball. But like 
which is weird. You would think that in the Bay Area, you know, like the Giants and A's share a television market. If you're if anywhere you live in Northern California, you can get both of those teams and you can watch them. In basketball, if you live in the Bay Area, you only get Warriors games. If you're mm-hmm. north of, I think, Santa Rosa is like kind of where the cutoff line is, you know, in that Sacramento area, you only get Kings games. So it's like I could only watch the Kings when they were on national television. So all I wanted to do was watch basketball games. And I would go look at like the TV guide channel and I'd be like, oh, the Warriors are playing. And I would just start watching the Warriors and I just got repetitive. And that team was like Mike Dunleavy, Antoine Jameson, um, Jason Richardson, Troy Murphy, like that era. So like 2003 to like 2005, I was watching a lot of Warriors and like, it was Mm -hmm. disappointing, but they were like fun, young and interesting. So they just kind of like, I just gravitated towards them. I bought like a Jason Richardson jersey. I actually still have it. It's like in my closet right now. It's like a medium. It doesn't fit me, but it's like, you know, it's like my first <laughs> basketball jersey, so I can't get rid of it. Um, and I just got in the Warriors that, after that, watching Jason Richardson do those crazy dunks and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, like it kind of cooled off a little bit because they weren't good. Like they were fun. They were talented, but they just weren't good enough to get to the playoffs. And then 2007 came along, We Believe. Got the We Believe poster right behind me. Um it just changed everything. And I was all in after that. We believe like, like a lot of Warriors fans, our generation, like millennials, that team is what like got me. And I was diehard after that. Like I was all in, I was watching every game, every season, even the Corey McGetty years that were depressing. I was still watching, still watching those teams. Um, so that, yeah, that's it. And just been, just been diehard ever since. Nice man. Nice. Yeah. Like uh, when did you like, the the king's affiliation when did you was it the we believe team that transferred you over yeah percent yeah um, i was like yeah. in the middle before that i think when they traded chris weber the kings that was kind of the last straw for me where it was like all right like i'll follow this team but like i don't know they they got rid of my my favorite player i'm not you know i, I don't know <laughs> how this is gonna go and then the we believe like right when that happened was when we believe started. So it was like it just completely changed everything. It was a That's, major yeah. just momentum shift. And I was older. That's I understood the game more. I understood what was going on. So I think like a more mature mind gravitated me more towards like that. You know, they they were more fun to watch. It was just easier to to jump on that train. Uh, let's let's talk about what is coming up. And you know, since um, I. Uh, I asked you to come on the show. A couple things happened. Let's just uh, talk about those right yeah. quick. So the Warriors, they signed uh, Rudy Gay. I believe he's like 37, 38 years old. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> after he got signed, everybody's like, oh, yeah, we got Rudy Gay, you know, like another wing. And then other people were like texting me saying, you know, he shot 25% from three and 35% from the field last mm-hmm. year. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, on uh, Rudy Gay coming to the Warriors on a pretty pretty cheap deal. It was like a one it was a one year non guaranteed or something. So yeah, uh, low low risk, medium reward. I think. I mean, let's call it what it is. He's the fifteenth guy off the bench. Like it's it's that it's it's that's what it is. He's the fifteenth guy. He's he's when Moody and Kaminga are hurt, he's going to get some minutes, and that's about it. I mean, I didn't didn't think too much of it. I forgot that he was still in the league. To be honest with you, man, I feel like he's one of those dudes. Like he's. If you call him, he's in the league. If you don't, he's not. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm here, but I'm not. And, uh, you know, like, I think it's a, it's funny how they've completely gone. Like the pendulum has swung the other way. 
in a yeah. lot of ways that they're going super old, <laughs> um, even though they got some young dudes still. But I feel like that's what Kerr wanted all along. I think that I think that Bob kind of forced him into like the let's come let's do young and old and let's let's mix the eras. I think Kerr has always been like pop. He wants the older guys. Yeah, I mean, because when you look at some of these uh, coaches and, and GMs in general, it's like they are there for X number of years, like their contract. And then you want to win and you can see an 18 19 year old isn't going to be like the one necessarily to help you right away um yeah. but i think one thing i don't want is like for kurt to opt for Rige over like kamenga or moody uh as he tends to do because uh those guys need to play i think if rudy gay like you know it's like sure you know you need to somebody gets hurt uh throw him out there and that's about it it's another veteran dude another old head that can, you know, just be somebody that's closer to Steve Kerr's age, I suppose. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts on uh, uh, Dunleavy saying that the Warriors, in terms of Dwight Howard, that they didn't, they already have like five centers. So, you know, didn't really make a move on Dwight. I have some friends who were upset. I just don't know what Dwight brings to your team. This current, adoration of Dwight Howard I don't know what he brings to the Warriors that Trace Jackson Davis who is younger is more athletic is probably more durable now can bring to that team or or taking minutes away from Looney the greatest rebounder in the history of the NBA and and like you know (laughs) I mean I just I just don't know what he brings like there's a probably a reason why he's playing in China let's just say that I mean like if he was Taiwan Taiwan Taiwan. or Taiwan sorry if he was good enough to be on an NBA roster in a in a a valuable member of the NBA roster then he would be on an NBA roster I don't care how annoying he is there are guys who have worse off the field issues off the court issues than him that are on teams currently right now you know so it's just like and you know and the other thing just with Rudy Gay real quick your first I think your first the first thought that comes to mind when you see that signing is you're like oh veteran presence in the locker room this team doesn't need veteran presence in the locker room this team is full this team's core is veteran presence in the locker room so like that's another thing that didn't put so like these these two free agent issues or free agent scenarios i just uh i just didn't see i just didn't see the point for them i don't you know like i i yeah well then you throw in uh uh cory joseph and like they took two guys and uh from detroit and uh uh, rodney magruder who i've i've said this before and i'll i'll say it again i've always loathed uh uh uh, Corey Joseph's game when he was in Toronto, like in Detroit, it's just like it feels like he just puts his head down and goes like it's me time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I know he probably won't be able to do that, but uh, I'm not super excited. At, like, you know, like like I've said before, if uh, once those guys are on the court at the same time, I'm taking a long bathroom break because uh, that's going to be yeah. some ugly basketball. If if they ever end up on the court together at uh, at the same time, but yeah, Rodney. Rodney, you know, Rodney. giving giving Draymond somebody else to smack this in the preseason. I don't know. Any any thoughts on those dudes? I mean, I think the Corey Joseph thing is more. Um, I, the only reason why I would think that the Warriors brought him in. One, they they need a second unit point guard. 
Like they just do a second and 30 in a point guard. That's and they need someone to, to, to bring the ball up and, and, you know, kind of run, run the court. And the only way I can see what, how Corey Joseph ended up on the team is, is that Dunleavy had a very serious conversation with Corey Joseph's agent and told him like, your job is not to put your head down and drive to the hoop and try and score. Your job is is going to be on this team to feed these two young guys who it looks like are going to be the, the offensive breadwinners of the second unit in Kaminga and Moody. I we can talk more in depth about this later, but like I just don't know where the offense is coming from in the second unit. And the only rationalization I can think of is that. Kaminga and Moody sat down with Kerr in the offseason and were like, we want a bigger role. And he was like, okay, I'll give it to you. You guys can be the offensive power horse of the second unit, but you have to step up to the plate and do it. So, like, I just think that that's what Corey Joseph's – I know that's not his history of gameplay, though, which is interesting, but I just – that's the only – that's the only, like, role I could see him having on this team. Yeah, I mean, you know, to be honest, the way I look at it is he is a veteran insurance guy in case – you know, Chris Paul gets hurt, Steph gets hurt, so they don't have to turn to a, a Ty Jerome, young dude, unproven, mm-hmm. more or less. Uh, somebody of Turning the ilk. ball over like crazy. Yeah, yeah, and I like uh, uh, Ty Jerome. So, again, just like a, uh, somebody who is just a veteran, because that's the way they're obviously leaning, as we said. But, you know, second unit, like, I don't see Corey Joseph on that second unit. Like, I see the second unit with – uh, you know, Steve Kerr has his rotations, right? It's not like mm-hmm. ha- uh, hockey substitution. So it's Chris Paul, it's Sarich, it's Kaminga Moody, and maybe Wiggins or, uh, you know, put Gary Clay Payton too. or, mm-hmm. yeah, GP2. So like, you know, you're not going to hopefully see Corey Joseph unless uh, at some point in the preseason training camp or whatever, uh, he really shows that he deserves minutes. I mean, I think the same thing is true for Magruder. I don't actually know Magruder's fit. The dude is 6'4". Um, he's he's fine. You know what I mean? I'm not going <laughs> to – he's better than me. <laughs> so I'm not yeah. going to knock him. But, like, you know, uh, where do all these dudes fit? Because, again, you're still kind of getting smaller and whatnot. So I don't know if all those guys are going to be on the team by, like, come March, April or whatever – uh, then, you know, that being said, like, I don't like Corey Joseph's game, but of course, if he's getting signed, then he will probably most likely fall in, in line in this, at this point in his career. But yeah, in terms of the second unit, like I'm not super concerned, honestly, about the scoring. Uh, I think okay, Chris so Paul, who do, who do you healthy, score? Who do you score in the second unit? But that's that's the other thing. That's the other thing. Chris Paul has not been healthy the past two seasons of his career. Are we expected yeah. to believe that he's going to be able to play twenty two plus minutes a game? Like someone else is going to have to run point in in on that bench besides him and besides Steph. So it's like it's Corey Joseph or Gary Payton. Gary Payton's never really been like the point guard. No, like, he's not. You know, never really been like the quarterback on the court. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, they'll have to mix it up, right? Like, I don't. A couple years ago, I said after the Suns lost uh, to Dallas in the uh, playoffs, I was like, Chris Paul's done. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, I don't trust him getting anywhere deep into the playoffs at all. And it's like, hey, guess what? He's on our team now. That sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 
I, I agree with you. Like, if he goes down, then they're going to be in trouble. But I think that they have enough to mix and match. I think, you know, you can put Clay on the second. You you could put, you know, like I I believe in Kaminga. I hope Moody takes a that next step. And I think if Chris Paul is healthy, um, I. I like the fact that he can shoot the mid-ranger. I like the fact that Sarge, he can get guys involved. What the Warriors had last season with their second unit was Jordan Poole, who was replicating Steph. And in this way, they get a different look, a guy who can actually get guys shots. Uh, so, you know, everybody's hyping up like, oh, how Chris Paul will be, how he'll unlock Kaminga the way he unlocked whoever. DeAndre Ayton uh, or, or yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like or all those D- bigs. or uh, Gallinari a few years ago, or Shea Gilders Alexander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, uh, but it all comes down to to health, especially with all the teams in the West, all the old head teams, right? Where it's like, you know, you got an old Kevin Durant, you got a uh, old LeBron James, and a frail Anthony Davis, and an old frail Paul George, and an old frail. Uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard. The Warriors just happen to have more old, frail dudes. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a, it's a, it's all about like just being healthy and peaking at the right time, as we know for this team. So you know, we'll see how the first few months go. I mean, I don't know. Were you a pool fan? I I was. Oh man, I just have such mixed feelings towards him, dude. <laughs> like I like I like when he got punched in the face last last off season, I was like I was out on Draymond screw you like I'm. this is the last draw like i you know you like you just can't go around just punching teammates but then like you know hearing the stuff behind the scenes about how he was acting and and then you see his gameplay and kind of the way he's playing kind of it it reflects a little bit of his attitude off the court that you're hearing you know being like playing hero ball like let's just say by the end of the season especially playoff time when he was just horrendous in the playoffs I was tired of the two scenarios, the two, the two, yeah, the two scenarios of Jordan Poole. One, he bring the ball up and take a 30 footer and expect it to go in like Steph Curry, or he'd bring the ball up and he'd lose it in a turnover. It happened. Like I was just so over that Jordan Poole and his like, I don't, selfish is not a good word, but you know, his, 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 his ISO ball, his, 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 his ball hog playing. And I, I was, when, when the Chris Paul trade happened, I had a you know a lot of Warrior fans, friends who were mixed feelings. I was pumped about it because to me, so we already had one of probably the best assist man and best passers in the past ten years of the NBA, and Draymond Green, and we just added the second best. So and and with the two best shooters in the history of the game on our team, like these guys are going to freaking find these guys no matter what, and they are going to like they are going to get these guys get Steph Curry get Klay Thompson get these guys open in places that we've never seen before like and it felt like that especially in the playoffs like when Jordan Poole would come in he kind of shut down guys like Klay Thompson like it would go it would be like five minutes would go by and you'd be like man Klay hasn't Klay hasn't put up a shot in a while like what what is happening here um and he would kind of ball stop those guys where I think that Chris Paul is gonna enhance that a little bit more so I like Jordan Poole, but I just like I just I just don't know if I liked the trajectory he was going on. And I think that they got off of that at the right time. Yeah, yeah. I uh was more than happy to see him go uh, like you. I mean, I was you know, every game, every game, like I was talking about 
how um, tired I was of this trajectory. I don't want to like rehash everything, mm. like the falling down, the heat check, the dancing and prancing pool party yeah, BS on one yeah. end, and then Matador defense on the other, right? Like I mm-hmm. actually couldn't really stand all the pool party stuff because like, hey, dude, play both sides of the floor. And I was like, I, I couldn't understand how they couldn't get him to play better defense. It is what it is. But um, yeah, I mean, Chris Paul being on this team, Listen, like, you know, all this talk about will they will they fit on the court together? You know, the vets and whomever uh, Draymond, like I said this in the last episode, it's like Draymond and Chris Paul are basketball geniuses. Right. So mm-hmm. they will figure out how to do it. And they're also on the downsides of their careers. So they they're mature well <laughs> does that make sense right? well we say that now and then a week later and then a week from now draymond green's gonna punch someone else in the face and then we're gonna change our mind yeah it's gonna be rodney mcgruder <laughs> yeah bro uh, um but uh when it when it comes down to uh those guys on the court I think, you know, when the 2020 draft was coming up and everybody's like, is it going to be Anthony Edwards or LaMelo or Wiseman or somebody else? I wasn't a big LaMelo guy. And I don't know if that actually would have worked out, but like I did think it would be great to have this amazing passing point guard who could get Steph and Clay off ball and just have them running around. And it's what uh, Steph does best, dude. Yeah. And so, you know, Chris Paul is, now the best point guard that he's ever played with. And granted, he's like 38 going on 39 or something. But just seeing him in those rotations will be really, really fun and interesting because you try to, uh, you know, guard Chris Paul and then have Steph and Clay running around separately. Uh, I think that'll be really entertaining. And part of it is also just something that we haven't seen as fans before, because assuming reasonable health this team's gonna make the playoffs right so like it's gonna be great just to see these dudes in different scenarios and seeing these guys with their skills and uh, uh mental acumen for the game mm-hmm. out there together and again that's why like with chris paul playing with some of these bench dudes i think he will be able to uh make sure that the game is flowing that guys are getting touches that guys are uh that they're getting looks and whatnot you know what i mean i'm expecting Kaminga and Moody to to make a leap, a reasonable leap. They 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 did when they got minutes last year. Kaminga made a huge leap. What he shot thirty seven percent from three when Wiggins was out and when Gary Payton was injured, and uh, you know he didn't get to play after that. Right, like everybody's questioning. You know, you read all like these blogs, all you know when it's dead over the off season, and it's like, oh, you know, Trey Kaminga, you know, like, oh, is is he gonna make like? he he can contribute if you put him on the court. And then we saw with Moody in the postseason as well. So, you know, I think uh, I think they'll be all right. There, there will be growing pains, but I think that they'll find uh, their rhythm eventually. I don't think you need like a Jordan Poole heat check guy to uh, no. shoot you in or out of games, you know? Yeah. And I mean, the rumors that I'm hearing and reading out of the offseason is that Kaminga and Moody have been in the training facility like it's the like every single day, like working on stuff to try and be better 
at least offensive players. I mean, Kaminga is a different story on defense. He makes a lot of like kind of dumb mistakes and with his rotations and in and, and switching and stuff like that. But but offensively, the rumors are that they are in there and they are working and they are trying to like really build up the game, which is why I really think that like Steve Kerr sat down with them, especially after like you saw the the like the disgruntledness, like the clips of of Kaminga in the playoffs, like mad that he's not getting playing time. I really think that Steve Kerr sat down with him and was like, look, this is the role that we're going to play. And like, this is what you guys need to do. And you guys need to work on this stuff. And I think they're taking that seriously. Um, And, and, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I kind of want to paint a picture of like what I think the, the, the offense will be with just real quick with like Chris Paul in it. Like imagine Chris Paul, He's, you know, he's running. This is like a Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, like lineup. Imagine Chris Paul bringing the ball up. Steph's doing his thing where he's just running, 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 moving screens, moving defenders, getting defenders off of Clay Thompson, getting defenders off of 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 Wiggins, making forcing defenders to switch and move around. So you got that. He's going to open up the offense for both him and them. And then like Clay's biggest asset the past, like since he came back from his injury, is like his spot up shooting, which is always what he was doing. He's, he was always a great catch and shoot guy. So if you can just have him kind of sit and like move back and forth and just sit around the three point line, like he, that's where he's going to make his shots. And then you have Andrew Wiggins. who's probably the most underrated cutter in basketball, just cutting the basket. Like I, I mean, and then you got two of the best passers that are just playing the inside out game, passing the ball back and forth to try and find the open man. Like maybe I'm like too excited and I'm just like too like, but there's something about that lineup that just gets me giddy, you know, like, these two great passers, these two guys who are just have amazing basketball IQs to go along with these like incredibly talented and athletic scoring machines in in Steph Clay and, and Wiggins. Like I'm I'm just I really think there's a lot of potential for that specific lineup at least. Yeah, and the one thing that uh kills me about the Warriors their inability to get to the free throw line <laughs> and I, I the one one of the Man. things I've hated about Chris Paul uh, is that he's one of those baiters mm-hmm. uh, for fouls and I don't know if they you know they changed the rules a couple years a couple seasons ago and yeah. then they eased up on the rules I don't know if they're gonna if they are gonna enforce them more but if if they don't if they still give him some of those calls that is 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 great to me you know what i mean because yeah they need to get to the line pool could not get to the line enough because he would fall down all the time steph doesn't mm-hmm. get calls i've said before that I, part of it i think is because they don't get up very high um mm-hmm. on their on their drives and traffic that a lot of the contact comes low and a lot of the refs let those go um but and also because you know maybe they they mouth off to the refs a lot as a team <laughs> but uh but you know, yeah, I'm I'm excited by all that. Do you have any concerns? Uh, the big question I think is uh, who's going to start? What the starting lineup is going to be? I've said obviously it's who finishes is what really matters, and that might be kind of on a matchup game to game basis. But do you have any concerns that it's going to be this huge issue? I think that Steve Kerr is going to like reinvent this. I th- I think that he is salivating at the mouth the, uh, when he got Chris Paul, the idea that each game he can play the matchups of the starting lineup instead of just like a set starting lineup every single game. It's like, all right, well, this seat, like, let's say they're playing Milwaukee, for example. You know, you got Brooke Lopez and you got Giannis. You got Giannis. So you got two big athletic guys. Like, Chris Paul is probably going to be coming off the bench that game. So you're talking probably Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green and uh kavon looney you know to try and try and like 
wear down Brooke Lopez and Giannis, try and like, you know, really like match up with those big guys. But then let's say you're playing, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a small team. Uh, let's just say, let's say the Suns. Let's say the Suns, if the if it's like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, a bunch of guards. Be- Beal, like, Beal Gordon, Booker, yeah. Kevin Gordon. Durant, Nurkic, and like Eric Gordon. Yeah, small lineup. All right, Chris Paul, you're in. You know, come on, Luna, you're out. Like, Draymond, you can handle Nurkic, and and we'll go from there. You know, I just, I just think, I really think that it's going to be a game by game basis, and I think that like that's that's what Steve Kerr loves. He loves versatility in his lineups. He loves to try new things, and he loves guys, which is, I think, why like some of the signings came. It's like he loves guys that are versatile, can play multiple positions, and guard multiple people. Right. So, so I, I, yeah. I think that this is going to be a new experiment for him, and. I think that it's going to really show off the basketball mind that Steve Kerr has, because I think especially in the national media, Steve Kerr doesn't get enough credit for being a great uh, coach and, and like a strategic coach uh, on the bench and, and, and utilizing the guys that he has Um, warrior fans. We know that because we see it every day, but I don't think national media does that. I think national media, not not all warriors came in the right. Oh, really? I mean, I, I genuinely (laughs) believe that. Um, and I've never, I mean, I, I haven't talked to a lot of warriors fans that don't believe that as well, but, um, I think a lot of people think that Steve Kerr was a right time, uh, right place, right time coach. It's the reason why he's had success, but I think that he was a big part of that success personally. Of course, of course, they don't do this um, without. Uh, they don't do this with Mark Jackson, in my opinion. And yeah. but you know, like on the other side, he doesn't do this if he goes to the Knicks. So you know, I think with Kerr, sure. it's interesting. I'm I'm curious to see if you're right because I know that they switch lineups when they have to, mm-hmm. uh, like when something's just not working. I know that I've I feel like he likes to stick to a lineup, but at the end of the day, I believe that you know whatever like this is a good problem to have right trying to mm-hmm. make it a a an issue is just because oh that's the that's the thing that's what we all want to see how cp3 uh, meshes with these dudes and uh if there's any fireworks but you know to me when i look at uh you know this this lineup it's like people are like oh if you sit looney then uh they're really small draymond plays a lot of centers and he gets mm-hmm. beat up uh and then if uh, obviously, Steph's not going to sit. Clay is not going to sit because <laughs> he's in a contract year, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he just doesn't like coming off the bench. He's, he's not like one of those dudes who really, really wants to. And I personally think Clay's going to have uh, an amazing year because of the contract year, because he actually played over the summer and mm-hmm. people say he looks good. And because he doesn't have to worry about uh, 23, 24 year old Jordan Poole outshining him. Uh, you know, looking over his shoulder. So I think he'll uh, play freer, uh, especially another year away from those injuries. And I think he'll be great. But then I'm like, maybe you sit Wiggins. Maybe you put Clay at the three. I don't know. You yeah, know but Wiggins I mean? is your and, best two-way uh, guy, though, man. You you want to take him off know, the ball, off off the court on both sides of the ball? Like, oh, man. Hey, I, I know. And I also think that Wiggins might not be that great off the bench because he works well with um, Steph yeah. and, and Draymond. So – Again, like that's not what I'm saying that they should do. Yeah. I'm saying like, hey, that's uh, why Steve Kerr makes millions of dollars because this is a good problem to have. And this is where you show what you're saying, like this basketball acumen, you know? And um, to be honest, like uh, I'm I'm excited. And it's almost like the uh, 
uh, what I had said about Dwight Howard. I loathe Dwight Howard as well. I'm not, I've never been a fan of that dude, but if mm. they got him, Hey, I'd be curious to see what that looked like just for, uh, for the hell of it, because uh, it's different from what we saw last year. You know, he'd, he'd probably yeah. stick on the team for like a month before the, before Kerr was like, get this guy out of here. You know what I mean? <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I'm not too concerned uh, about Chris Paul uh, meshing with guys. I'm just more concerned about his health. Clay Thompson, uh, as I said, he is in the final year of his contract. Uh, there was some chatter during the playoffs that he uh, wanted the max, but no one knows where that chatter came from and it doesn't really matter. And Draymond took less and all these new salary cap rules. Do you think there's a scenario where it doesn't happen, where he doesn't stay? Uh, I think if the Lakers didn't spend a lot of money this offseason and had cap room to sign him, that would intrigue him a little bit because he's from L.A. Um, and, uh, I mean, I grew up being a Laker fan, um, but they don't. And they don't for I think they're pretty tied up in the next three years. So I don't think that's a reality in his world. So um, and I don't I wasn't I, I'm not saying I thought that was going to happen. I'm just saying like that's the only scenario I thought that could dra- draw him away from the Warriors. But no. And I I think that he'll take a reasonable deal. I, I mean, 40 million for him now, I don't think is is appropriate. And I don't think i think he's like the least delusional basketball player in the nba and so i think he realizes it a, a, a enough to be like all right like maybe in the mid 30 million a year range um but we'll see i've been i've been wrong before um i was wrong about draymond i thought draymond was gonna want way more money and he didn't so i you know like i just i don't know i mean yeah yeah i i thought draymond would actually come to terms uh considering because you know, all this chatter, you know, the clay chatter was like before, you know, Draymond resigned. And I think there's yeah. a reality to the situation that like uh, whether or not he really did say he wanted the max, uh, you look at where you're at and you take everything into consideration. And I, I, I'd said before, I, you know, said what you said, the Lakers were the only team I could ever see clay leaving the Warriors for. Uh, because of Kobe, because being a fan, because of his dad, you know, because growing up uh, in Southern California. So I don't see any scenario at this point because right now, like Steph, you know, Steph flexed around the uh, the all-star break, right? Mm-hmm. Like get rid of Wiseman. I want, uh, I want Draymond, you know, uh, the, the more you move young guys, the more you're able to sign Draymond, right? Like move yeah. cool, you know? And get Gary Payton back, right? All that stuff. Um, and <laughs> I joked that he wanted Gary Payton back just so they had someone to hang out with when they were both injured on the bench, right? Now mm-hmm. he has a couple other older heads to hang out with when they're both, when they're all injured on the bench. Just kidding. But uh, to me, I, I see Steph wanting Clay just the way he wanted Draymond and these guys wanting to play together as long as pro- uh, possible and trying to, make it work and obviously Dunleavy is you know Kerr uh Curry is in uh Dunleavy's ear and it's they just have like open uh dialogue about this stuff yeah. and you want to make Steph happy so I think that's that'll be you know that'll be fine uh this this there's an aspect of Clay um some off the field off the court stuff that like really f- makes it makes it like you know he kind of I don't. I want to say owes a little bit to the Warriors fr- um, franchise, but you know he's grateful to them. Um, Brian Windhorst did like a great piece last year 
Um, it was also, he came on ESPN daily. I listened to that podcast a lot um, and talked about his piece about clay and his rehab. And, you know, he had like, it was a really tough year for him mentally. And he like went through depression and stuff like that. And the, you know, warriors um, uh, staff, uh, like the front office, particularly Zaza Pachulia, who is in the front office now um, really helped him kind of work through that and helped him like, you know, be like better and, 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 you know, just mentally stable for lack of better words. Sorry. I'm not like saying the right words on that, but, uh, but like, you know, he really helped him like come to a happy place and an accepting place. And, and he's like really happy with his life now. And, and, and I, I I think that he does based on that piece from Brian Winhorst, I think that he does like feel a, like the Warriors franchise is like, is like family to him and he, and he trusts them. So do I think that that helps in his, in his uh, contract negotiations? I don't know. Some it's a doggy dog world when it comes to money, but I do think that is in the back of his mind. And I do think that's in the back of the Warriors mind too, that they do want to take care of clay because they do, you know, care a lot about him and they do owe him, you know, something. This whole idea that, you know, he didn't play, before last season, everybody brings that up. Like he wasn't in shape when, when it was spoken that he didn't play. And it was because of the mental block of getting hurt playing in the off season, playing pickup. I'm like, like, I'm not criticizing him for that. You know, I never, yeah. like I empathize with the dude at, at that point. And, you know, I think like, you know, Zaza, there were such homies before, right? <laughs> like when, when Zaza mm-hmm. was actually on the court and uh, I feel like, yeah, it's just time you know, working through these things, getting away from this, that, or the other. And, uh, you know, I, again, yeah, I agree with you. I think he's going to stick around and that they will find a way to, to work uh, something out. All right. Well, that is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick E. Pino or at Oakland Warriors. Check out our YouTube channel where you can watch this episode, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. Check us out at oaklandwarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to leave us a nice review saying good stuff about the show on Apple Podcasts, that would be hugely, hugely appreciated and it would be very, very helpful. Thanks. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time.